0: SpaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic Gathering singles right now. Their weekly sale is up to 50% off select standard singles. So make sure you just click the banner on the front page, a page full of all the stuff that's on sale in standard. And uh, things are flying fast. So once again, check that out and always like the Facebook page face-to-face games to keep updated on the weekly sale and to be eligible to win their weekly $50 gift certificates where still only 100 people sort of enter, so much like there's a significant chance that you can win and as I've said last episode, there's people that probably are at a point where they're going to win twice. Um, Excited for this episode because we're going to break down the PT and we're going to talk to Modern with Final Nub as he's going down to play some modern in vegas and uh to have all three because all three of them are the contributors for the sideboard guys which you can get within the first strike nation at patreon.com slash first strike i just wanted this opportunity to plug a new show that i'm doing it's called for a lack of a original name i said like screw it we're not going to come up with a funky name there's people with, with their name like Cedric and, and everyone that, that puts their own name because it covers all the topics that they care about. So I just call it the KYT show. As I wanted to say, I've, I've been wanting to do a new show because there's a lot of guests I want to talk to, to bring on and, and to share the content with that doesn't really feel fit for a strike, for example, to interview what my A-team uh, co-hosts have been up to since the... They've quit the show, or since the show ended, and doesn't fit this. And of course, they're bring Medina on for more MTG finance, I don't think really appeals to uh, everyone within the First Strike listenership. So there's a different type of guests I want to end to talk about non Magic stuff, and that will be coming out uh, this week. Uh, my first guest is the winner of the Cowboy Open Plus with Murfolk, uh, Mike Irving, who was ended up being an awesome guest, and I'm going to interview Jesse Smith, one of my first co-host of the A-Team. So look forward to that. I'll be tweeting about it on my Twitter uh, feed and, and everyone, Facebook. Wherever you follow me, you'll hear about it. And um, it's exciting because not only that do I do non-magic, but it's also focused on talking about up-and-coming names in the Canadian magic, which is something I did for ManagePride.com. That was the goal of the website eight years ago, which was to hype up people like Hayne, John Stern, etc., that have since become established stars and I look forward to doing that with that show. Um, and, uh, like Jerry, Jerry mentioned in his list of improvements, what he could do is star build. And and that's something that that I love to do too. Um, you, again, you want to cheer for someone one more when you get to learn a bit more about their personality. For example, I'm always going to be cheering for final nub no matter what he does. And, um, the, I'm adding a bit of a perk within for the First Strike patrons, which is if you just pledge a dollar, the lowest amount, you're going to get the unedited raw call that I do with uh, a lot of these guests. And um, what else? And that's about it. And I've opened up the Discord to every patron of uh, First Strike, and uh, we're going to have to we're going to get more activity in there. So. Enough with all the uh, plugs, let's get straight to the Pro Tour. And uh, last week, we, we had mentioned, I think, all the guys, including Derek and, Ellie, Derek and Elliot, mentioned how you know it's the PT might have the greatest influence on what people will end up playing, but it, it's a poor representation, perhaps, because, or data set, because there's a lot of, there's limited as part of the reason, uh, part of the... Um, equation as to how people got to the top eight they, they had to have done reasonably well in the limited portion so it doesn't represent the best decks necessarily and people will tend to play them but overall on average i do think the decks are likely strong and stronger than normal because they are being they were tested by ProTor pro tour name so whereas you know it might, the results might be skewed but i think like most of the lists are at least backed by some amount of testing and not like random mtgo list that you see that people where people are really experimenting with wild things let's start with you derek uh, surprised with the pt topic i mean i think all three of you predicted uh, why, that that boros might be a big part of the topic and it ended up being a majority of the
1: topic yeah i'm not surprised uh i've had a lot of people ask me how i feel about it and i think it was pretty expected um I I don't even like a lot of people were like, oh white wasn't even the, the most played deck, green black was, and there's no and not in top eight. I'm like, yeah, I mean there was a, a blue-red Phoenix player who went ten-o and constructed and didn't make top eight. There was a mono blue player who went ten-o and constructed and didn't make top eight. There's a couple other uh, green black players and uh, red players and Phoenix players at X two and constructed and they didn't make top eight. So uh like the draft record has a lot to affect that. And then, um, like, it's not like Green Black didn't show up to the event. It's not like these other decks didn't show up. They just weren't in top eight. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. To me, like, the Pro Tour is never a good metric for constructed decks. It's, it's more of just, like, pursing through the different archetypes to find out what deck you like. Um, I wouldn't take too much weight in the data that was uh, released this weekend, I guess. Are you are you surprised by any specific cards
0: that some of the stock lists were playing, and and what has that led you to to test right now?
1: Um, I was surprised that um, like LSV tuned their deck so so much to the mirror. Um, I think that that's sort of like a, uh, I, I want to say like catch twenty two in the sense that um, if you do do it, it's you look really smart if it works out, and if you. Also do it, you look really stupid if it doesn't work out. Um, and to me, like, it just shows that they, they had a good sense on the metagame, but they also probably got pretty lucky um, in the draft portion because I think their overall team uh, record was 44% and constructed. So actually, like, I, I'll take that back. Maybe it didn't work out for them, you know? Maybe, maybe they beat all the mirrors and lost against everything else which to me is like a 6-4 record um, in Constructed. And then like you just 5-1 draft or six zero draft like LSV it or whatever. And uh, you end up in top eight. So to me, like that sort of explains uh, that deck list. Like that was the weirdest thing to me. Um, I was actually surprised that you made top eight. Uh, that was kind of insane to me. I was not expecting there to be a Drake list with that amount of uh, white decks in top eight also I wasn't surprised he was knocked out round one and then I was surprised that a mono blue tempo deck went 10-0 um, That's sort of the only thing like In the real stock list like I think that one outlier in the mono blue tempo deck really stood out to me like that entire deck list It wasn't really anything else I saw That really surprised me I feel like everything else was sort of in, in a certain range for these standard players or these uh these these what these players were actually playing constructed. Like like to me to me it's not surprising. Um Yeah. Okay. Um I
0: think like LSV uh, to to what you said I, I just found the exact tweet he he tweeted as team CFB we won 81% of our limited and 44% of our constructed match. Lull is what he said, and, and Andy had, had mentioned like he, he would recommend last week, he would recommend local people playing in local events that are comprised with a lot of people that won't pay attention to MTGO to play this deck. Um, and maybe at the PT, that you know, some people should you should assume that people at the PT know about this deck and you could go to the next level. Um, Andy, so were you surprised at LC? What the next level?
2: Uh, I was surprised in a Johnny's Pride Mate. And I was actually very surprised on how good it looked in the mirror. Oh my goodness. It was like a, a complete mirror breaker. It was like one of the best cards possible in the mirror and their list, like gaining a lot of life in the early game was just so good against the lists with the, the token maker that they like were able to like take on that big hit or like make it to the point where when they play that card, it's not game ending. So it's not actually good weakening. One of the better cards in the other decks and I don't know. I, I'm not surprised to see them play White Weenie. I think it's a very strong deck. It's one of the best decks, certainly Tier 1. And Drake's was everywhere the week before, and it has a very good Drake's matchup. So was, what they did is they played the deck that has a good Drake's matchup and then geared it for the Mirror. That's like a big chunk of the metagame you can expect to face. So I think it was a good choice. Like it's like once red gets reintroduced though with chain roller though, then things get interesting and that's why the standard format is so good though because things can get introduced and shake up the meta game completely based on what happened that weekend. So, so
0: yeah, Andy, what do you think? The is that where you think the the format is going? What's the what's your opinion of the next step? And were you like like Derek when we were chatting? There's a lot of talk that, hey, this Jeskai deck was well-positioned to take down the whole tournament. Did you feel the same way? Uh, I,
2: thought, I thought Jeskai was, was in good shape. I kind of liked the Jeskai matchup, and he was playing a lot of uh, – he was playing Crackling Drake, which is actually one of the better cards against the White Weenie deck out of, out of Jeskai. So I think he, he had a good shot. He had a lot of good cards. Definitely Clarion plus Crackling Drake is game over a lot of the time. I think he sort of misevaluated what uh, experimental frenzy does in a very key game, and lost because of it.
1: Yeah, he made he made it, I think that was a big mistake that game, and I think he made a mistake earlier in another match, and I think he made a mistake at another point in that game when I saw the plays he was making. I'm like, this is gonna lose you the game, and uh, he just just sort of threw it away. Like Andrew was on the multi five on game five, and just. Uh, didn't answer the frenzy and frenzy drew him three cards and put him in such a position that he couldn't leverage his card advantage and lost the match um and i think that like that's the problem with these these jess decks is like once they're sort of behind they sort of stay behind um and i, I think like i think that jess deck should have won that top eight i think he he sort of threw that game away
0: so, Darren, do you think it's a, it's a good choice moving forward now that like, does these white-red decks have won, have do- seemingly dominated in the news, and maybe in, in the queues if people are gravitating towards that deck, is, is Jeskai the way to go? Do you see that?
1: No, because like Andy said, the, the natural next deck is mono-red or like some, some red aggro variants, and I think that Jeskai has such a god-awful matchup against the red decks that if people are choosing Jeskai or mono-red, the people who are falling on mono-red are just going to be... Pe- beat the people who are falling on Jeskai, and the people who are playing Monored are going to get cheesed out by Monored enough that they're just going to put a bunch of life gain cards in their deck. Um, but like, that doesn't make them any weaker to Jeskai, so to speak, right? So I just think like uh, playing Jeskai when other people are also playing Monored is like, <laughs> sort of like not the way to go.
3: You know, I have heard of some pros, like RLX for example, and uh, other people cite that Jeskai is a pretty Good matchup against Mono Red, which, which having played Mono Red a bunch, it doesn't make sense to me. But you know, take that for what it's worth.
1: I mean, I think that I've seen that people also say Jeskai is a good matchup against Green Black, but I also have like a winning matchup against Green Black. It also has a lot to do with how many Carnage Tyrants I put into play against these Jeskai decks. But um, I think a lot of people uh say these things and they're based on their evaluation and not how a matchup should play out or looks like it'll play out like obviously there's like a little bit of um like dissonance between those two things but i think in general like this jess guy deck is very slow its uh, main win condition is a fireball on like turn 20 or to ferry and it's playing cards like Revitalize. So to me, when you play a card like Revitalize, it means that you need a life gain effect because otherwise that card's really bad. So if you're not drawing your Revitalize or your opponent has the extra burn spell, you're probably dying, right? So to me, like, I don't know how this Jeskai deck could be good against the Mono Red deck. And if it is, it can't be consistent enough. And also, like, they have a real tough time dealing with Frenzy. Um, to me, like, Mono Red's game plan is just to resolve a Frenzy anyways and kill you. So I don't know how Jess is
2: supposed to beat that. Yeah. Now that the mono red lists are like finally growing up and just four experimental frenzies in the main deck, it's finally like at the point where it can be a good deck. And and like all the times before that, I don't think it had the power level to be a good deck. But experimental frenzy might be the second or third best card in standard, right? Like it's like Teferi, Frenzy, and then there's like a lot of other cards that are like similar power level in the upper echelon of power levels. And I think uh now that mono red's built around frenzy i think it's gonna it's just it's very good i think counter spells are bad in Jeskai. also i think you should only play like two strokes or something and not play anything else i think you can't play counter spells right now they're so loose against a lot of decks like i five owed with right before the pro tour with a list i was playing four crackling drakes and three niv missets with like a bunch of dive downs and uh someone 12 for the pro tour with with a deck very similar, but they decided to play Counterspells, and I think going forward, that's the kind of Jeskai I would want to build, because it, first of all, it has an easier way to win the game, and second of all, it's not relying on these three-mana Counterspells that actually just get super
3: awkward against half the field. I, I do love the Drakes as a, a proactive answer to Carnage Tyrant, for example, one of the biggest cards against Jeskai, and it's also a proactive way to just turn the corner very fast. Um, I do like that it's gone away from the Azores Gateway uh, build, which I think gave it a huge um, edge in the mirrors. But um, as you saw from the metagame, the metagame was very wide open, and in that re- in that regard, like you really didn't have time to sink your mana into Azores Gateway, set it up, because you're just gonna get run over by Adantu t- an Vanguard's and you know fanatical Firebrand.
1: My biggest issue with the, the versions that have Drake in them is it's like near impossible to cast your spells. Uh, you you have this like real real issue with with casting your spells in a in a good curve without like having some amount of fail rate. Um, played against somebody online the other day and they had cleansing Nova and uh, they typed in chat, I don't know how I'm supposed to cast cleansing Nova in this deck. I don't know where my second white source is and it's turn nine. I'm like you probably just can't, right? Like, I don't know how how those Jeskai decks consistently cast their spells on Curve. Um, One of the reasons why I've shied away from it, but I don't know. People are winning with it sometimes, so maybe there's something going on there. Yeah, the the Drake's List uh, that
2: I, like, played, played no Wraths at all, except for the red one in the sideboard, Star of Extinction. It just played no Novas, no Settles. Like This list might have played those, but the current list I play doesn't play them, because you're right. The mana issues are real. That's why I don't like counterspells either, especially S- Sinister Sabotage. That one gets me every time how people think they can have double blue on turn three and cast other spells.
1: When people cast it against me, I'm like, how do you cast your spells? How do you ever cast your spells on curve? This doesn't make sense. So, so what have you been playing, Eric? Uh, are you are you still tooting
0: that green black corner? And how, how do you feel about it in its positioning right now?
1: Yeah, I still I'm still playing green black. Um, I still stick with the statement I made a couple weeks ago that like green black is the most consistent deck across the board. Uh, you just have to pick what you're trying to beat this weekend. Um, I think like there, there's a couple adaptations we saw this weekend. Um, One specifically that stood out to me was Autumn Burchett's list uh, and they worked together with uh, Jedeen Comparents um, to come together and make this sort of odd um, green black list compared to what we've normally seen in this format but it it made a lot of sense considering that I think everybody was on a similar wavelength to what they were expecting in the metagame. They main decked Bronted on, they didn't have elves, and they played Adventurers Impulse. And so they also cut a land. So, so to me, um, that means like those are the three things that stood out. There's a couple other changes, but nothing really stood out to me. Um, to me, that, that signifies that they didn't like elf for grind reasons. They wanted Bronted on in probably the, the fast, aggressive matchups and against Frenzy and they wanted Adventurer's Impulse so they could cut a land and hit their important creatures in specific matchups, like Bronton, like Wild Growth Walker, like Carnage Tyrant. To me, going forward, that, that is a huge sort of like change in thought process that we've seen from the regular Green Black. I don't necessarily know if it's correct going forward, given the circumstance of the metagame, but it's sort of like a different outlook at how to build the Green Black archetype. Um, and I think that that's something that we should take notice in and sort of think about going forward because, because it's possible that just playing the carnage tyrant for Vivian plan isn't good enough. And you want more consistency in these creatures that you need to beat specific decks. Like if Monterey pops up, I want more wild walkers, can't play more than four. Maybe I'll put impulse in my deck sort of thing. Right. So it, it's something to play with. Um, I'm probably going to be playing green Black at uh Milwaukee this weekend uh if you see me there, say hi or whatever um yeah i'm i'm excited i th- i think uh I think there's a lot of white decks uh green blacks very well positioned i feel very very well positioned against the white decks i think uh in general that they're pretty bad unless they're playing against the phoenix deck and uh yeah, nice face, andy. Um, and and I think like I'm I'm okay against the the Phoenix deck now, so I feel like I'm in, I'm in a good position. Okay, so hopefully we're
0: gonna see you at least day two GP Milwaukee this weekend. Uh, Andy, what, what do you think? Do you think Green Black well positioned? What what other decks or would you play? I, I don't. I, I'm imagining you're not making the trek down to Milwaukee. So what would you play, or 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 you are?
2: I'm not. I'm not going to Milwaukee. Um, <laughs> I did consider it, but. Um, I think Green Black's fine. It's always like a 45-55 deck. It, sometimes it can get a little worse, sometimes it gets a little better. So I think Green Black's a totally fine choice, especially if you know what the metagame's going to be. And I think uh, I like Autumn's and Jadine's list a lot. And typically a card I don't like is Vraska, but they, they just had very good reasons to why they play Vraska. It's like sort of like this Mirror Breaker thing where like they just try to alt it in the mirror, and now you have to keep trying to attack it or else you'll die. And once, once they start explaining that it does that and also just whatever, it's like a bad abrupt decay sort of in other matchups that's like its floor, I was kind of sold on like having one copy as being totally fine. So I liked their list quite a bit. I really always liked Wild Growth Walker. I felt like it was one of the best cards in the deck and one of your best ways to beat a couple different decks. So I like playing four there. I like Adventurous Impulse as a way to kind of cheat on lands. So I like their list quite a bit, and I think it's a good choice. Uh, if, if I was going, I would probably play just Is It Drakes, or I would play uh, Jess Guy Control with almost no count- counterspells.
0: Final note, have you, have you put into thought, I know your brain is on modern, but would you have an opinion on, on what you would play if you were playing standard in Milwaukee or you were to the standard seat in Las Vegas?
3: Oh yeah, I've actually been brainstorming a lot with my uh, friend and uh, teammate here going for Vegas. Um, I actually played in the, the mocks last week, and I actually said it out loud that I think mono reds always to come back again. And remember last season, we were just all crying for the ban of Chain Whirler, and people literally said these one ones and the tokens decks cannot exist solely because of one card. And we see online these white weenies and uh, red white weenies come up. And the question I, I don't think many people were asking was, like, what can oppress these strategies? And it's fast aggressive deck. Like red, uh, mono red that can have chain whirlers and cast it on turn three, and it seems like um, some other pros like uh, Eric Furlich and uh, Jerry Thompson were on the same page there. And it seems like based on their tweets, they did it very well. They actually, did play mono red um, in the mocks on Saturday, and the biggest thing I paid attention to was that I didn't want to auto lose to a wild growth walker or a Drake. So in that regard, that meant cutting all the risk factors because I think that. The time for that uh, card has uh, come and gone. We just need to play to the board, uh, board a bit more. So, four uh, lava corals, like Jerry Thompson suggested, in the main deck, play a bit of phoenixes, go uh, slightly bigger, maybe cut a few firebrands, and then just have the bang fire frenzy uh, plan in the sideboard, as well as um, evolving into a more mid range de- uh, card again uh, deck against green black with um, three dire fleet daredevils, which I think is very good in multiple matchups. And in that regard, I think that you're well set up against the White Weenie decks. You're going to skewer the uh, Is it Drake decks with four coils, um, four, uh, sorry, three Dire Fleets, etc., and have a good chance against uh, Control. And hopefully you get to um, leave up your Lightning Strike on the turn four with their um, Wild Growth um, uh, Seeker Squire turns, or just kill Wild Growth on site, or hope they don't draw it. And that would give you a a pretty decent chance against Green Black. So I think red is something that I've liked uh, over the past week, and I think that red is going to be a good choice given that after the Pro Tour, people are going to start nut-decking the uh, white weenie decks, and, you know, chain World is um, the perfect pump police to uh, squash that. Final
0: nub <laughs> with the breakdown. Loving it, loving it. Um, so that, that's our standard breakdown. I think uh, we got the opinion of all three guys about what they would play. I think they all sound have pretty convincing arguments. Uh, let's jump to the only for- format we have that uh, we're gonna that I wish I could kick Derek off of. <laughs> modern as final love is gonna be the modern seat for his Vegas team. At least that's what I thought I hear, And uh, he was sending screenshots to me and Andy while he was playing online of Grishol Brand. I'm like, oh my god, the, the master. He's bringing it back. Then recently got a message from yeah, I probably just gonna play dredge. What happened? What happened? Why
3: did why did you bring Risho Brand back? For the funsies? Well, look, I wanted I want always want the deck to be good. I want to turn someone else, you know, Feels good, but really might not be the most responsible thing to do right now. Graveyard hate is everywhere. Um humans of all uh, decks are playing like two graph diggers, two tormods, and it's just like super hateful, you know? Like and there is the Bant Spirits deck and the uh, Humans deck at the top, which is which are horrible matchups for the deck. And I just feel like um, the time is right for a graveyard deck as, um, you know, the last SCG and the uh, Grand Prix Atlantis uh, results didn't have a lot of graveyard decks, but um, I feel like Dredge is perfect again because no one's really heard of it, heard from it for the last week or so, uh, for la- last month or so. And, you know, I actually explored a lot of the um, top pop tier, tier one decks than uh, in Modern just to see what I should play. And they all, they all sound medium. They all felt medium. Modern is a game of rock, paper, scissors. And my philosophy is if you can't find a machine gun for this game of rock, paper, scissors, read Dredge with Golgari uh, Grave Troll or Eldrazi Winter Eldrazi. Just play with the most highly uh, powered deck and just go, go with it. Something that you know how to play, something that you know it's high level, high power level, don't think too much about it.
1: Okay. Uh, I, sorry, I have a quick question. Did you say that people have forgotten about Dredge?
3: Relatively speaking, I think, I think Modern is very cyclical, and the last three or four weeks in paper result, which um, includes the Star City game result and the Grand Prix Atlanta result, wasn't that overrun with um, Dredge. So I think it's hard to time the Modern paper metagame meta cycle, I know, and in the PTQ, Dredge won 12-0, I realize that, but I, I just have a feeling that uh, Gregor decks are fine to play right now. It might not be exceptional, and Dredge with Creeping Chill is very high power level. I think combining those factors, I think Dredge is the way to go.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was going to mention that Dredge won the PTQ on the weekend. And I think that any, um, any uh, reasonable or seasoned modern player would understand that Dredge won the PTQ on this weekend. And so I think, like, if, if we're talking about these modern players that understand the format, understand that it's cyclical, and understand that Dredge, they would understand that Dredge won the PTQ on the weekend. So to me, like, if I think I'm a seasoned player and I think other people are seasoned players, and we're talking about how Dredge is sort of, like, not really in the meta right now and then it wins the PTQ, I feel like I, I missed it. You know, like, I missed the time to play Dredge because everybody's gonna know about it now right like if i was going to a modern event this weekend i would put graveyard hate in my sideboard no doubt about it um so i think i think that like that's something to think about um obviously i don't play that much modern i don't really like to but uh i was thinking about playing the which we might bring up later uh the the new moto challenges um that you can now qualify on moto through different formats and stuff so I'm, Forcing me to play different formats, uh, I think that that's definitely one of the 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 things that like you're you're right about modern being cyclical. Um, I think that trenches would be a bad format. I think um,
3: I, I think you're right, Derek, and I also think that uh, a hidden um, hidden takeaway from the PTQ is Harden scaled it very well as well. Um, so that's an artifact deck right there, but also gets hit by Rip and uh, Leyline. It, it definitely takes a lot of skill to met time a metagame and whatnot, but people people can't switch a modern between modern decks and paper easily. So what they can do is switch sideboard cards a And dredge, um, dredge's sideboard is entirely or almost entirely about combating combating hate. And one of the most important skills you can have as a dredge player is know exactly. Um, know exactly what kind of hate that you would expect from xyz decks and um, it can easily fight through one or two pieces of hate especially because people are mulliganing um, into just like single hate card type of hand thinking that this will knock out dredge with this person truth so i do understand your point i do agree with it i think that given the timing as well as the power level of the creeping chill dredge i think it's a good uh, good choice
2: yeah, I like Dredge. I think Dredge is good enough that you can still play it when it has a target on its head. Like it's not gonna be as like insane. But like Dredge on the way to that PTQ win in the top four, I think, or maybe it was the first round of top eight, it beat Blue White Control with three main deck rest in peace in it. <laughs> so I I don't know. I think Dredge is a good choice. I I played it uh recently, just testing it out, kinda seeing what I might play at the modern RPTQ and I was really impressed with Dredge's ability to fight through hate. And like in game two, when you get stuck in a position where they have a hate card and if you're missing your answer, it is pretty convenient that you just have like eight cards in your deck that draw cards to get you to to your anti hate. And sometimes you could just play some blood guests. That's kinda how how I cheesed out a victory against a Grishol brand actually <laughs> through through a ley line. We ley each other and then I
3: just attacked with two ones. A lot of decks actually have a hard time beating Stinkweed and Like Death Shadow, for example, even Jun. Like, how, how does Tarmogoyf, they're going to remove all their, like, fatal pushes or whatever. How, how do they get through a Stinkweed him, right? And a, and a funny story is, I actually played the um, uh, eventual winner who went 12 0. Uh, and uh, game, um, game three, this was, like, in the 3 0 bracket, he multi five. And his first uh, his hand was the Leyline of Void, land, land. Faithless Looting on Dredger, and he turned one uh, Faithless Looting, turn zero, Faithless Looting, sorry, turn zero, Leyline, turn one Looting away two Dredgers, and just went Preserve on turn 3. So um, he had, uh, the eventual winner had some very fortunate cards, but um, I'm sure he uh, played very well as, as well, so congrats to him. Good yeah, morning.
1: I think, uh, oh, I think Faithless Looting is ancestral Recall. That card's broken. Every time I see somebody cast it on camera at a modern GP, they just win the game a couple turns later. That card's broken. <laughs>
0: Final dub. you you had a good start though. Like, what happened? When did the wheels come out? Like, you started five and one or something?
3: Yeah, I started five and one. The my one loss was to the eventual winner on a extremely like nutty uh, multi five. Um, I lost to Tommy Ashton in a very weird game um, where he was playing martyr, and he was at thirty life and had a damping spear, and which made it very hard mid combo. And I got him to one life, so I, I had. I had 29 damage, but I'm not at 30. And from that, he ranges the EO into to like three murder, murder, span, and and like, <laughs> I was literally locked out. I didn't have uh, a way to work. I lost like I I lost like two 70 percent like coin flips, and I finished like five and four. You know, it, it happened. How many uh, How many people were in your PTQ? Uh, so the Moto PTQ was like 340 ish.
1: Okay, yeah, I played the one on uh, Saturday for standard, and it was three
3: hundred and thirty-three. Saturday was the standard PTQ, and Sa- Sunday was the modern PTQ, both on uh, Magic Online.
1: Right, and the, the one had the modern one had three forty. Correct. Right, yeah, I was I was just gonna say like I, I really think they need to add in the the constructed prelims. They had um, like they have limited prelims, and they used to have constructed ones, but then they like this was around when. Uh, blue white copter was around and they cut them and now we're getting like 300 plus person ptqs like nine rounders it's way too long It's ridiculous I th- yeah. yeah i really think they need to cut it i didn't know if it was just standard getting like over 300 people but no. if modern's also getting over 300 people this is really bad i mean
3: par- part of part of the way the tr- they're trying to alleviate this issue is to um create this uh, new system system right we feed into like these uh format challenges and the format playoffs and whatnot i'm sure we'll get to that uh later at koit yeah
0: yeah we're, we're about to jump into that um but i think i think just wanted to, to finalize the, the modern stuff um so you're going down uh this weekend modern seat um you're, you're saying standard is probably some modern model red um, any legacy spice that your team is, is conjuring up?
3: I mean, our legacy player is Cyrus Corman-Guild, who, sec- who plays second place in the Eternal Weekend. So we'll leave it to him, Cyrus, to uh, decide what.
0: <laughs> quite, a, quite a good team, then. Sorry? You got quite a good team, then. Yeah, I, I feel
3: very good about our team, yeah.
0: Okay, I'm excited to, to see how, how you guys compete. Um course uh one of the most sought after guides that, that we did like people just love modern naturally and, and they love final nub of course and, and the dredge guide that we have within the first dragon nation that actually the most popular people are just like tweeting like how do i get my hands on that and someone just joined uh today and uh was chatting out with discord like how do i do that and then asking questions in the nation that thankfully thanks to the final nub has answered um we're going to jump to Perhaps our our final topic, which is uh, Magic Online news. Um, I'm just going to to read a segment of it, and I'll let the guys take it away. Uh, Format focus events, easily the biggest change. The brand new format focus events takes take the existing format challenge events and turns them into the first step in Premier Play qualification. With format focus events, you can play your favorite format all the way to the Pro Tour. Even better, no prizes are being removed to make room for these format focus events. The entry options aren't changing either. Instead, all players in the format challenge events will get new format points, FPs, on top of their other prizes, if any. Those FPs can qualify them for the format playoff events, which lead to the format championship and maybe even the Magic Online championship and the Pro Tour. Yes, this means that Magic Online players will get to qualify for the Pro Tour playing Popper or Vintage or Legacy or Modern. Choose your format, succeed in it, and you can ride it all the way to the top. The path of the Magic Online Championship uh, can be seen in the charts below, and they show. Uh, go to Daily MTG or find the article. It's called "2019 Magic Online Championship." What's your, your first takeaway from this? Uh, final note. Let's start with you.
3: Yeah, I think it's great news. It's you know I, I've been playing for almost two years now, and all the all the news like most of the news ha- has been like pretty negative slash like blah. But this is the first one where I'm like genuinely excited. Um, I think this uh, does a few very good things here. One, it's an addendum to the current uh, schedule, and it doesn't seem like it's taking away from any other events or prizes. So it's great. Two, you know, some, some, uh, some formats on Magic Online, like uh, a Popper, Vintage, and Legacy, it's kind of stale. Like, Legacy, especially, is like, pretty stale. The challenges are always full, full with like, the same people. Popper, I heard, is like, I, I think they're adding a competitive league as well which is kind of exciting. And Vintage, it's always the same guys, right? And now that these format uh, experts have an actual reasonable mean to get to the Pro Tour, um, I think it's going to revitalize the uh, formats and it's, it might bring some new players as well, which is exciting. And three, um, we talked about this and Derek uh, mentioned this, but there's a real problem on Magic Online uh, about the managing the people, number of players in an event. Modern challenges are awful, Values because they always have like 110, 120 people and they always have the freaking same uh, price structure, which is
1: awful. <laughs> and uh, Magic uh, uh,
3: magical Online PTQs always have like 300 plus, have 300 plus. By doing this in a quarterly qualification sort of, a, sort of a method, um, I think it's going to be very healthy for Magic Online. And really, just like grinding uh, a, a format and becoming an expert in a format. And getting rewarded doubly, one being the QPs and the normal mocks, and two, um, getting into this format challenge-specific uh, uh, path to the Pro Tour, I think it's just exciting. And yeah, hopefully it'll bring new, player, new players into new uh, formats. Like Derek was mentioning, you know, he might diversify his, uh, his skill set into Modern or something like that, for example. I think it's going to be very good for the game.
1: Yeah, I, think, uh, I also think this is great. Um, one thing I noticed is that, um, every piece of the power nine has basically doubled in price. Um, since this was announced, if you go to, uh, I think it's uh, goldfish and you look at the, the biggest winners of the week, I think all of them have gone up like the minimum they've gone up is 80%. And some of them have gone up like 150%. So that's like twice as much as they were before. Uh, like Before this announcement, you can get Power 9 for, I think, 35 tickets. Now you can get it for, for about 70, well, uh, which is great, which is great. That means all the treasure chests would go up. Uh, people are planning to play Vintage. Um, that means people will probably also try to play Legacy, and more people will try to play Modern. I think another thing that this shows is that Wizards is really paying attention to the Eternal formats and not just to draft and Standard which means that they might also be moving everything over to Arena for drafting Standard, which is maybe good, maybe bad. It's really hard to say. A lot of other things that have to go on with Arena and and Moto before we can really decide. But I think the fact that they're they're putting more effort into these Eternal formats is also very, very, very nice. Uh, Even for me, somebody who plays exclusively Standard. So I'm trying to put the,
0: um, in my mind, how the calendar would look like. So they, they say, like, once every three months, the regular weekly format challenge will be replaced by format playoff event. Format playoffs require 35 FPS to enter, but no takes or play points. of have enhanced prizes compared to a normal format challenge and send the top eight to the format championship. And the format championships will have up to 32 players in our five rounds of Swiss with a cut to a top eight playoff um, the prizes of the championships are significant. Everyone's walking away with a minimum eight draft sets of boosters, 200 play points, and a format championship avatar. Win the whole thing, and you're going to the Magic Online Championship and the Pro Tour on top of collecting five copies of a standard legal set and 1,000 play points. I'm checking the schedule. The championships will be, I guess the first championships will be in 2020. When there's a modern, vintage, legacy, and popper championship on the schedule, so so those are the first championship
1: guys. I think uh, I think the rotation starts in January. I don't know exactly when the first one will be. Probably a couple months after that. Um. Uh, yeah, from, from what I understand, I think because this the calendar,
2: yeah, it's the first championships are all uh, January
1: 2020. Yeah. So, hmm, so to get so Derek, you would get hype for I guess
0: the first time you get hype for modern is March twenty three, the modern playoff Q one.
3: That's what I'm reading it as. So it start, the season starts in 2019, and the season has four champ uh, playoffs, and then the the top eight of those from those four playoffs will feed into the 2020 championship. that's what I'm reading it as.
1: Yeah, that's that's sort of like the the way they did it last year. Uh, I don't remember exactly how they did it last year, but they had basically mocks events like that. And if you top eight, you got fed into the thirty-two. And then if you win the thirty-two, if you're top eight the to thirty-two, you get fed into another event. And that event top eight qualifies you. There's like a, a series of qualification events. I think I think it's good. I like it. Other than the prizes, I think the prizes are awful. Uh, but that's another thing. <laughs> I'd have to, yeah. I'd have to.
0: I'm curious what the the whole EV breakdown is, but uh, this looks pretty awesome. And um, again, it's a great way to sort of, I guess, story build. If you end up being like the modern champion or or, uh, the standard champion or whatever, and then you're, well, there's no standard, right? It's all these funky formats, well, non-standard rather. Modern, vintage, legacy, popper is what I'm seeing. I I guess they haven't scheduled. The other stuff, or no? Or these are the four? Right?
1: They, they, have, they have a, it's not called like the standard championship, but they have the limited and standard feed into another one okay. based on the, the flow graph that I read. Okay, okay. I uh, like pictures. Yeah, the pictures are really helpful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's kind of cool to be the modern format champion. Uh, me and Andy were looking at you, digging uh, <laughs> it down. Um, You're looking at them. We're looking at the chat right now, 2020.
2: The only one sadistic enough to be the modern champion.
1: <laughs> to play modern, that much. Imagine having people call you the modern champion. You gotta buy a belt. <laughs> and in this corner, the modern champion. I think they should send
0: him a belt. They should send them a belt. Just like they you know, they send you like YouTube sends you something for having X amount of sub-
1: subscribers, right? Send, send file, no. It's like a wrestling belt. <laughs> yeah, more, more things we need wizards to invest in that we don't actually need. Hey, t-shirts thanks.
0: T shirts are gone.
1: Are gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gotta, gotta cut the cost somewhere. We're never getting a belt. It's kind of got to reinvest those shirts
0: and those tokens. Um, shout outs to, oh, man, I don't have the. The Twitter name in front of me, it's Ink something, right? It's not Ink... Placement.
2: Is it Inkland Customs?
0: England Customs. Yeah. They yeah. uh shouted out to all the Platinum Pros to get in touch with them. They would do a hundred free tokens. Uh, player tokens for them. And I think it's a cool thing. I think um I normally don't go all gaga crazy over some of the celebrity players, but a lot of players do. They get excited, they get they really want people to sign them. I mean Ely. I think is not the way Cassis was on our show. I don't think is that known uh, because he won an SCG invitational, but not that known for his poker success, but because of how good SCG has marketed that series, he's got people coming up to him, excited to get them to sign their tokens. So these are clearly things that fans are excited about. So it's kind of cool to see someone else uh, step up and, and fill that demand. Um, but uh, even though the, the, the Watsi decided to cut that and, and the free shirts for first-time PT goers. Um, is there anything else that we wanted to cover? Um, Final note. Actually, I, I want to cover um, the, the first guest on my show, on my new show, is a Merfolk player. and ended up winning. Um, I, I know that in general, there, there's a lot of, hey, why, why the heck are you playing Merkle? Like I, When I sleeped up um, when Nikachu, one of the more known Players. He he's based in Canada. He's done well, top eight, if not one of his face-to-face games. Open. He came in second at a GP. He puts out a ton of YouTube content on the deck. I even tried his so much so that I tried his tropical murfolk when like the green the new green standard murfoks were coming in. He was uh, integrating them in, into the deck. I played it at my first like modern event in a while. It felt really underpowered. Not gonna lie. And so I, I don't – I don't. I understand the hate. I understand the hate. It does feel underpowered, but sometimes it gets there. It sometimes gets there. And when I interviewed the guy, the winner, Mike Irving, he said, like, he managed that dredge is a terrible matchup, in, in his opinion. Um, and he was lucky to dodge every time he, there was a dredge guy at the top of the table, he was sitting next to him and not against him. So he avoided that matchup. And he had mentioned that, like uh, you mentioned, John, that uh, people are putting in the hate. Like, Nikachu apparently, according to Mike, has four surgical extractions in the sideboard because of that, and Mike has at least two or three, and that they, they are there for the hate, but hey, I don't know if that's enough. But, uh,
3: I, I gotta say, though, they also have four missed callers now, which is surprisingly good in this format. Vengevines, Blood Gas, Flaming phoenix gristle brand yeah i mean it's very hateful i'll give you that but you know what i'm not going to play against merfolk for the next two years so i don't care
2: (laughs) harsh but fair harsh but fair
0: there is actually i I think sometimes i think reddit is uh a cesspool like (laughs) a pool of hate and nothing else but there is definitely uh segments of the community that that are impressive. Like when he posted, when a lot of you guys, including Derek, posts, let's say a cyborg guy or even a tournament report, this murful guy posted it. You got a lot of love. And I really love seeing that. There's actually a, uh, I think a fish subreddit, and that gets a lot of activity. People are actually tweaking the deck, like debating I mean, you're shaking your head, but they're debating like the value of peak and not peak and like.
1: Deprive versus number of the gates and maniacs. Imagine, imagine being so humble with your play skill that you call it the fish Reddit. Like they, they know that they just, they just make the bad deck choice every week. That they just, we're the fish. It's okay. <laughs> <That's terrible. laughs> we're the fish of
0: MTG. <laughs> there are a positive. It's a positive, vibrant community uh, based on the tweets I've seen. Um, but, you know, there, there's been some, some fire, there's always these, like, fired up debates. Like, you're absolutely wrong. Peak is absolute garbage in the deck and stuff like that. But, but it's cool to see the activity in different parts of Reddit. I don't think, and I think it's unique to, to the Merfolk community. I don't think, like, you see, like, a bunch of Tron players be all chummy-chummy. So it's just relegated to some of these archetypes. Uh, Final, you wanted to
3: comment? <laughs> What's there to be chummy about? All they need to know is 1, 2, 7. That's how, you, that's how they do math. They don't need to do anything else.
0: <laughs>
1: this is terrible. First, last week, we're getting crap. I, I think I've decided I like modern now. You just get to chirp other modern players for the bad decks they play. That's my favorite part about magic. Like, how do these Jeskai <laughs> players cast their spells? How do Tron players count? Why have the fish players called themselves fish? It doesn't make sense. But we we get
0: Andy and I feel the heat. We get criticism when Derek it becomes too hateful and now
1: like final note decides to like crap. Wait, wait, wait. I There's got one. it, I got it. Swamp. Uh Exile Simeon Spear Guide, Faithless Looting, Discard Grizzle Brand, Discard Grizzle Brand. Exile Simeon Spear Guide. Corio's vengeance kill you. <laughs>
3: Top a GP. Hey, I've done it before. I've done it like 5 times. People people have salted out at me and say this is the worst experience I've ever had playing Magic. I'm like, "Hey, thanks, dude. Nice playing with you too."
1: Oh man. Oh, I got maybe I'll learn to play like Storm or Amulet Titan or, uh or like mono red prison. Oh, this will oh, be fun. It's, it's funny,
2: when you, when you brought up that Merfolk won this, the first thing that came to mind was like, Merfolk won a GP. Modern Red Prison won a GP.
1: Red won a it's GP. you modern! <laughs> Wee! Anything's possible. And you get a GP win. And you get a GP win. You have a subreddit named after you, you get a GP win. God. <laughs> what an awful format. Oh my gosh. How do you enjoy playing this? I do think
0: turn turn one rightfully does does induce raging people, and uh, I'm I, I trying to imagine the scenario where Final Nub actually says, "Thanks, dude. Nice
1: playing with you too." Like, what? Please sign the slip. I have to go. I got things to do. It's feeding time. I gotta tell Reddit. <laughs> gotta pay twenty dollars for a hot dog in this convention center. Oh, man. this is this is going off the rails um let's 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 end the show
0: with with uh ginger uh, what, what are you up to with your twitch stream i see you're you're like trying to come up with your own emoticons or something what's up with that yeah
1: this this weekend actually yesterday i got i got partnered i uh i passed the uh, the partnered uh threshold so uh i get uh emoticons based on the amount of subs i have and i I got an obscene amount of subs from um make basically selling my my uh guide so i I have 11 emotes that i just don't know what to do with myself with and i have badge badge emotes and i can do all these crazy things now and they've given me all this power and i don't know what to do so i'm trying to like crowdfund ideas on uh, how to brand myself and you know I don't exactly know what I'm doing but I'm learning so eventually I'll get there you know um, maybe I'll start streaming arena for all you arena fans out there start to uh, sell out and uh, catch me at the next whatever twitch personalities do like maybe I'll be at twitch cons so, I still think I still think we've talked about this like outside of the show what's
0: under Utilize is like a good effing. I have to say that word. Effing vlog, a good one. I think um, talked a lot about how I feel like people have begin to solve solve it in the poker world. How to come up with like like it's weird because vlogs are fundamentally usually like low quality stuff because you're just like filming yourself usually. And it's funny that like, it's seen a resurgence because people are now like adding all this editing, editing pizzazz on top of it. And it looks awesome. And I think a lot of people that are putting out vlogs now, it's just like, it's just too long. It's like their entire GP, like no one's going to watch that. So I'm excited. I hope you're filming some stuff for GP Milwaukee.
1: Yeah, we're going to do a, we're going to do a vlog for GP Milwaukee Milky Way. Um, and I might put it in with the, the Montreal vlog, because I don't have a lot for the Montreal vlog, and I can just put them together, and yeah. Or, like, for me, make two versions.
0: Make the long, like, I don't know, misplaced version that's, like, an hour long or whatever. (laughs) I'd like to see, like, I think something that's, like, condensed down to to 10 minutes, I don't know, 10 minutes might be really popular, and uh, people are not going to be like, oh, crap, I'm going to watch this guy's entire, you know, day. That's that's not what people want. But, um, excited for more misplaced content for sure um, and uh, final love going to Vegas Andy what's, what's up for you for the next week or so
2: I think I just uh, waiting to play some RPTQs don't have there's not a lot going on uh, until then I don't think
1: what's the, what's the RPTQ format
2: muted oh, the next one is modern, modern. Oh, that's really that. it's standard mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Very happy I'm not cute for the next
2: one. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you're happy about it. You're going to get your dredge on, right? Uh I'm it's dredge or humans. I'm sure I'll be a coward and play humans, but uh I'll probably borrow dredge off somebody and then make them waste all the time getting the cards for me and play humans.
1: Uh final note, I hope you end up playing
0: s- at least one ref opponent in Vegas. Um wow. anyway, <laughs> Yeah, that's so does he. So does he. If anyone interested in playing, who, who is playing modern and really want any comprehensive dredge guy, sign up to the nation at patreon.com slash first strike to get final nubs. Uh, not only his guide, but he'll answer questions in the nation. So that's sweet as well. Top of that, you get Andy's Is It trace Guide. You get Misplaced Ginger's Green Black Guide. get all the good stuff. You get early releases of my upcoming show. Boom. and that's it. That's it. That's all. If you like the show, and we've given a lot of what you should play in standard, what you should play in modern, our overall excitement for the MTGO news, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and that's it. Retweet when, when I tweet this out. Love you guys, and we will see you next week when Derek and Final Nubs are champs. So, well, hopefully, hopefully at least
3: one, like 50 champ, 50% fifty champ, right, guys? That's how math works.
1: Yeah, it either happens or it doesn't. We win or we lose. It's 50%. Yeah. And we get two Two. Yeah. too.
3: We got,
0: those looks higher. It's probably higher than 50%. We got two chances. Two. It's 100%. It's 50% twice. <laughs> so we'll see you next time on First Strike. Thanks, guys. Much love.